0: There's a big difference between being an in-room leader of one of the nation's largest school districts and being the full-time leader. My name is Herb White and this is In Other Words. It's Wednesday, January 31st, 2024. Crystal Hill is the superintendent of Charlotte Mecklenburg schools. She is the full-time leader of the nation's 16th largest school district. A year ago at this time, she was the interim superintendent, just getting her feet wet, but not quite at that level of full-time chief executive. She's in her second semester as the full-time superintendent And it is a different experience, as you will hear her tell you in this interview. We haven't had a chance to really talk uh, since you've been uh, appointed as superintendent. And I guess last year, it was an interim uh, position for you. Would it be sufficient to say that it was sort of like the 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 training wheels edition where you get to see what the job is like and then if you like it then maybe you get moved up and ultimately you do
1: well i think the first part of that may be um, somewhat accurate in terms of the training wheels. you know i don't think anything can prepare you to be the superintendent other than being the interim superintendent of the district in which you're going to work um, but i would definitely say that on the day that i was named I felt physical pressure like there was a physical I didn't expect it but there was a like physically I can feel you are the real person now you know before it has an end date of June 30th you know just a couple of months but on the day I was named I physically felt like this is for real. Um, And then I think also I think something that was a little bit different too is um, I think the. You know, the reaction obviously from the community and internal and external stakeholders was different too. Like, yes, you've been in the interim, but now it's for real. You know, it's just it's different. Um, um, But I would say in terms of you're prepared just to move up, I would say that's not the case. Um, You may have you may know this, Herbert, but I've shared this before that the board did not know that I was applying. So the board used a very um, strict process. It was a very confidential process by which they were doing the whole interview process. So um, first of all, I didn't decide to apply until the morning of, you know, it was very early in the morning um, that the interview timeframe actually closed. And then after it closed, the firm that was doing the search you know, they did several rounds of screening interviews. So I think it was either two or three rounds of screener interviews. And then once you pass the final round, then they decided which candidates they were gonna present and they call it a slate. They were gonna present a slate of candidates to the board. And I believe that was scheduled to be on a Monday. And I got a call on a Saturday that I was gonna be on the slate. And at that time, I said to the firm, I have to tell my board members that I've applied for the job. I cannot, and they said, well, it's a confidential process. I said, I understand that, but I have to tell the board members that I'm working for. I have to tell my employer that I've applied for another job, just like I would if I was applying for another job. And so it was at that point. So they only knew that I had applied for the position maybe 48 hours before I was presented as um, one of the candidates on the slate. Um, and, you know, when I called them to let them know that I had applied, I was very clear that I am solid in my role as interim superintendent and that my integrity was on the line and I was not going to do anything that would mess up the process, that I was not talking to them at all about the process for the, you know, the permanent role that I was charged in the moment for being the interim. And so, um, it was very awkward, but I was able to definitely have that line, that very clear line of what I was doing. It was also interesting, even when I, you know, interviewed, they, you know, a lot of them were like, wow, I didn't know this and this and this and this about you. And my response was, well, of course you wouldn't know that. About, like, I would have no reason to tell you about all the things that I had done in my previous roles because it it wasn't a part of being the job of the inner firm, if that makes sense. So it was very... It was very clean, and I felt like the integrity of the process was pretty straightforward. That was a very long answer for
0: the first question, so I apologize. It's okay. (laughs) Sometimes the more the better. (laughs) And so you talked about the weight. Was that the weight of expectation or the weight of something else uh, once you became the superintendent? (laughs)
1: I think all of it. It's you know before I was in charge, but like I said, there was an end date to that to me being in charge, and and then suddenly it's oh my goodness, you are leading for real for real the 16th largest district in the United States. Oh and by the way, you're the first African American female to do that. No pressure. That adds another level of weight, you know, that there there are certain expectations. And then the pressure of being the first, um, it was just, it was a lot that I had, that I did not anticipate. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, No pressure being the first black woman to leave this district, right? Yeah.
1: (laughs) None
0: whatsoever. I mean, because it has been a rocky road for... Leaders of color in CMS, but I'm sure you already knew that going in. Um,
1: Say not just of color, but just leaders in general. You know, being the I think sixth person in 12 years, um, it's just there's definitely been um, instability in leadership.
0: Yeah, talk a little bit about that churn, and it sounds as if you know, especially for urban districts, their leaders, it's in and out more frequently than let's say suburban districts or rural districts uh, is that because of just the sheer number of students in a district that you're responsible for or is there something else to that
1: yeah i think it's you know size matters and so you know it's it's that but i don't i think it's more than just size i think it's you know all of the additional factors that go with it um, certainly you know being post pandemic, there's a lot of things that are kind of churning with that uh politics plays a huge role um you know from a national standpoint, but then also local politics as well um so I think it's just you know there's a lot of factors here in Charlotte. I would say you know media plays a huge part in that, you know, just um things that are players that other districts don't necessarily, um, you know, have to think about. When I go to a meeting with my regional superintendents, you know, some of the things that I'm thinking about or, you know, planning for are not necessarily the same things that are on their their radar. We're very similar, but not always um, the same. Um, But, you know, um, there is a turn, but I think, you know, I just said, well, I'm going to jump into this. I feel like it's something that um, I really want to do that I'm really passionate about. Didn't think that I would ever be passionate about, um, but obviously, you know, also felt led by the Lord to to step into this work. So I I see it as um, an act of service, and um, I'm just excited about what's happening and what is to come.
0: And so, this is your second semester as the full time. Every day superintendent. What have you learned in this position as the full-time superintendent that you didn't know last year when you were there on an interim basis?
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I think the I would say one of the lessons that I've learned probably would be your first thought is not always your best thought. And what I mean by that is when something happens, you don't always have to go with the first action or, you know, the first reaction or the first response um, that you have. And I think the other thing that, um, I think I definitely just in general have a better understanding of our organization and how it works. um, The different, you know, the different ways that we're organized have obviously changing a lot of that. Um, I think as the interim superintendent, you know, I was getting to know people and listen and all those type of things. But I did a deeper level of that um, during my 90 day plan. I'm sure you've read about that. So just, you know, learned a lot of learned a lot of things um, just in general. I mean, there's a long laundry list (laughs) of things that I've learned. And I think I would say that um, I learn every single day. Um, but, you know, definitely the importance of having good, strong leadership around you is is paramount.
0: And to that end, you have uh, a leadership configuration initiative that you're doing uh, with the district. Uh, was there something that sparked that initiative or was it just a matter of, you know, as superintendent, I want to have some changes made in order to better run the district. Uh, how did, what's the genesis for that?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest spark is, you know, the way that we were, um, and this was a learning, so one of the things that I was noticing is um, that we had a lot of inconsistencies across the district, meaning that there was not a core um, experience or a core Um, student experience that was expected across the district, if that makes sense. Um, There were differences in the way just some things were handled in different communities. And you would expect that to some extent. um, But what started becoming clear is that we were operating more as a model as a district of schools and not a school district, if that makes sense.
0: There were silos? There were silos in terms of, okay.
1: Yes, there were silos. Um, You know, the way that we're currently organized, um, I think may have worked in the past when we were a little bit more stable. Um, But with nine, you know, and I said this out loud, I said we have nine learning community superintendents that are my representatives out in the community. But that really wasn't accurate because those nine people didn't even report to me. So how could they be representing me in the community? Like just from a structural standpoint, it just did not, it, it didn't add up if that makes sense. Um, the other thing that we had done is we have a learning community superintendent that's responsible for anywhere between 15 to 27 schools. Well, that's a small school district, you know, a medium sized, you know, where I came from, Cabarrus County, it had 32 schools when I left. So, you know, and then having that person responsible for the, not just the academics, which should be their primary concern, but academics, discipline, um, human resources, some of finance. They were doing like little bits and pieces of the larger district. And so what I quickly found is those people weren't focused on instruction, positive outcomes for students, because they were involved in all of the other swirl things that happen in the district. And so I said, we're never going to be able to achieve our student outcomes if I'm not able to provide some level of focus for the people that are in those roles. So that's the main reason why we've gone away from that model. We don't want them responsible for all of the things that happen. The other thing was, and sorry, they're responsible for pre-K all the way through 12. That's massive. That is a lot of information just from an instructional lens to be responsible for. So I'm really excited about the opportunity to narrow their scope. Um, They will still be the principal supervisor and working with principals, on specific things that happen in their building you know they'll still be the point person but other things that should happen at the district level they won't have to be primarily responsible for so in other words they were just a filter things would happen at the district level it would filter down to the learning community superintendents they would filter down so it was like this it was just very inconsistent mm mm-hmm. um, And so I'm excited about bringing a level of consistency, a core learning experience, um, a core experience for our families as well, and um, more importantly, an increase in student performance.
0: So it's, it's remove the silos, allow folks the opportunity to be closer to the communities that they are responsible for, as opposed to moving it all the way up to the top level. Right. And
1: being more concentrated on the grade span that they're working with. So, you know, like how important is it for the person in that role to build community or should their focus be more on? Because when we asked when the board went out and asked parents, like, what is it that you want for your child? They said we want them to be able to be really good in math. We want them to be able to read, not rocket science, right? And we want them to graduate. When they graduate, we want them to be gainfully employed or going to college or some type of post-secondary instruction or have a credential, meaning they have, you know, they can go to work because they're able to be a plumber or, you know, whatever have you, a carpentry. And so none of those parents said, oh, we want somebody that can come out and build community, like, that, that's not what they said. They said, we want... The reason why I send my kid to school is because I want them to be proficient in reading and math and be able to graduate and be a really good person, you know, learn about finances and how to be nice to people and how to operate in the world. I have a child that's graduating this school year. That's what I want for her, right? I want her, to, when she leaves me, that she can adult and adult well. And so, um, you know... I have a mentor that once said when the purpose of a thing is unknown, abuse is inevitable. And so we had people that were in roles, and we just weren't really clear on the purpose of that role. So all kinds of things were happening, not bad things, but just things that weren't aligned and things that would not get us to where we need to go.
0: So in other words, know what you are and go do it.
1: Yeah, that's right. We're going to be very clear about what your role is and then go do that thing and get results.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, you talk about uh, community and the reaction of parents when they're asking, what do you want out of a school district? Uh, you had a meeting, I guess it was last night, uh, mm-hmm. where uh, you had the think tank. Uh, what was that like, and, and is that a continuation of this initiative, or is this something totally separate
1: yeah so during my 90-day plan we started doing these these, um town halls like the superintendent's town hall is going to go out and talk about a variety of things that's something that we're going to continue to do but you know the other thing that was already existing is the superintendent had all of these advisory um committees so when we start when the board adopted the goals and the guardrails we started saying we need to develop the strategic plan And my thought is, while I'm responsible for carrying out those goals and guardrails, I know that I can't do it by myself and we need the engagement of multiple stakeholders. And so when we brought folks together last night, the whole purpose was to say, we heard you during that 90 day engagement when we were doing those town halls, we started doing some work are we on the right path and are we getting it right so that superintendent's think tank um will remain intact um throughout the progression of the strategic plan but i have to tell you last night was so amazing it might be an opportunity that we continue to do that because right now like i said um That group was a subset of all of the different advisory committees that I have. So I have a student advisory, an interfaith advisory, a parent and family, principal, teacher, and support staff. So we had a cross-section of all of those people coming together. And we've never, that I'm aware, had a time where all of those advisory committees can come together and track. And I think that was very powerful, too, because there are, you know, all my advisory committees that they were able to come together to talk about um, specifically the strategic plan. So it might be something that we keep in the future. It went great. Last night was amazing.
0: Okay. Uh, To shift gears a little bit, uh, everyone knows that this is a time of upheaval in the United States. Everything that could go on is going on. And a lot of that upheaval is reflected in schools. I don't think there's any secret to that. Uh, When you talk about the things that are happening from the COVID pandemic to uh, campus safety to hunger and food insecurity, homelessness, all those things show up in schools at one point or one shape or another. Uh, What is the biggest challenge as superintendent do you see what those social and economic issues coming to campus what's what's the biggest thing that that concerns you
1: mm-hmm. so what i would say about that is um i want to be is it almost time okay all right about, about three minutes okay thank you um what i would say is sorry about that what I would say is, um, first of all, schools are a microcosm of the greater community. And I think a lot of times people think, oh, all these things are happening and it's because of the school. No, the school is a reflection of our greater community. We're just a microcosm. The other thing that I would say is, there are only things that are within our realm of control. Right? Um, The next thing that I would say is that we obviously have to be aware of all of those things that are happening and make sure that we have systems to support our our students and our staff as well um, with all of the things that are going on so we're able to respond. So you speak about homelessness, right? Like when you talk about a, a student's hierarchy of needs, if we have students that are struggling with food or home insecurities, you know, they're not gonna be ready to focus on biology, obviously. And that's not new to education, but in terms of the scale in which we're seeing that, um, of course, is increased. So, you know, I would say that yes, absolutely concerned about those things and the impact that it has on the school environment. Um, I think one of the things that we have to be prepared for is school also cannot be the answer to everything. Like, school was never designed to solve all of the social and political issues. It's impossible for us to do that. And um, we've got to stop um, acting like we can solve them. Pe- you know, people have got to stop expecting us to solve them, and we've got to stop acting like we can solve them. But what we do have to do is make sure that we are partnering with other community leaders, um, inter-government, uh, intergovernmental parents, families, to make sure that we're solving and addressing those issues for the benefit of our students and our staff and our greater community. Um, When it comes to political issues, I've been very clear when I was interim, and I'm probably even more um, clear on it now, that I will not allow our students or our staff to be political footballs. So all of this political stuff that I know is going to um, probably rev up you know here in the next couple of months that i am very protective of our students as well as our staff and i just really refuse to allow um you know our students or our staff to be political footballs and i would say that i'm not doing my job if i'm not being protective of our students and our staff
0: that's it for this edition of in other words be sure to catch us on soundcloud Apple Podcasts, as well as our website, TheCharlottePost.com, our usual social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Oh, sorry, not Twitter, X. I'm still getting accustomed to that. At any rate, for everyone at The Charlotte Post, I'm Herb White. Thanks for listening.